Over the course of the year, we've taken forceful actions to tighten the stance of monetary policy. We've covered a lot of ground, and the full effects of our rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt. Even so, we have more work to do. Little sign of festive cheer from the chair of the Federal Reserve on Wednesday night as he announced the latest rate hike. A hawkish Jerome Powell went on to warn that there are still some ways to go, signalling more increases in 2023. Well, to discuss what the latest move from the Fed means and what investors should be watching out for, I'm joined by Fidelity's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Good to see you, Andrew. Good to see you, Richard. Now, investors on Wall Street and beyond had, it seemed, talked themselves into expecting rate cuts towards the end of next year. Did Mr Powell talk them out of it yesterday? I think he took out some of the hope and that expectation that had built. Whether he has moved them fully away from uh, their potential in the belief that rates can come down later in 23, I'm not entirely sure because now they're going to be looking at data and that degree to which Again, Jerome Powell was very clear that really uh, that there is pressure within the system. There is, you know, financial conditions, as we've seen, have actually improved. They feel that the pressures that they're trying to address in inflation and ensuring that, you know, it is beaten um, completely is, you know, far from complete. But now you're going to have the markets and the Fed themselves looking at how data develops. And there is an expectation that we are going to move from an inflation peak. And there was signs within the CPI that we've just seen that you've had goods inflation as we expect. And obviously some of the base effects that start to come through in 23 should really see that part of uh, uh, the inflation makeup come much lower. Whereas services were quite sticky and the risk that that could stay slightly elevated. But overall, you're still going to see this you know, downturn uh, for the inflation headline going into uh, to 23, combined with economic data that now has had some signs that uh, there is you know, a degree of weakening in areas. The problem is that it's far from convincing. And I think the market's bias, though, is still to try and latch on to anything that says we're past the inflation peak are we moving towards a recession? If we are, the Fed's future policy profile is not going to be the one they're discussing today. So what you're saying is that investors might get distracted by indications that this aspect of inflation or another um, might be dropping, but that doesn't change the big picture, which is that the Fed thinks it really does have to um, see a meaningful drop in inflation. Yes. And if you think about how the last few weeks have developed, you know, we've had this pathway from the Fed of really trying to make sure that financial conditions tighten, that they, you know, they see the effects of that. And they've said that they've been um, you know, very comfortable that part of maybe getting inflation down is that you do see some degree of stress within the economy. Again, the market doesn't believe they will want too much stress. They also have been thinking that, and, and this is when we look at where the equity markets were, very clearly that the expectation was that it's a sort of soft to a light cyclical recession, not really something more uh, painful than, than that. Interestingly enough, when you look across markets that we had in parts of the credit market, so in some of the loans areas, it must have been investment grade as well, that you've had actually spreads get to a level that have implied a much more worried 
version of recession that lies ahead. And so you know, markets aren't all in the same place. And I think from a Federal Reserve point of view, what they're trying to do is to take out some of that expectation that all of a sudden they're going to quickly be changing policy, when actually what they really want to do is make sure that you know, there's an there's a clear belief that they are going to take inflation down and then keep it down. And I think that still is going to be the battleground as we move from 22 to 23, is markets trying to test whether actually the Fed truly is going to keep up that policy framework or can they be you know, pushed to have to look um, in a different form because the growth numbers start to drop just as inflation is actually coming down at the headline. Now, that's the picture in the States, but um, we've had decisions from two other Western central banks um, today. We're recording this on Thursday. So the Bank of England uh, raised rates to a 14-year high of 3.5%. Interestingly, two members of the Monetary Policy Committee voted to leave rates where they are. And the European Central Bank in Frankfurt also hiked by the same amount, it's um, a half a percentage point, to 2%, though, um, warning that inflation is still too high. Um, How have investors, have markets taken those decisions? So I think similar to uh, the Fed, they've taken them in the form that this is the, again, ongoing realisation that policy is tightening, that we still have further to go. And so that degree of uh, disappointment initially, because you know, again, we had seen hopes brewing more broadly that there would be very clearly, you know, peaking rates were still above where we are, but not that far away. But it would be followed by a relatively quick change in policy um, direction. And obviously what we heard from the Federal Reserve, but what we're seeing from the positioning from BOE, but especially from the ECB, is that the chances are that, you know, rates will not only continue to slightly higher levels, but they will continue to stay there for some time. And that's the real challenge, I think, because for markets, what they're really looking for is that the inflation peak happens now or close to to now, and that numbers come down quite rapidly in 23. And actually, that could well be delivered. But the challenge is, does core inflation go down and stay down in a way that the central banks can then be comfortable? And secondly, is that how quickly growth does deteriorate? Because that's where you get to the point where, as seen in 22, that it's the bond market now is telling you that it believes that some form of slowdown in growth is really ahead. And the equity markets have always been based on the element that there would be a policy pathway towards a softer or very light recessionary environment. And those things feel very much at odds. And again, that's why you know, we're seeing markets um, pricing profiles are quite different depending on some of the asset classes and uh, regions that you look at. Where do we go from here, though? Because um, although those three central banks have all hiked, um, they've all set a, a similar message, really. They're repeating the, the threat of inflation and then they're not done with it um, yet. Will the changes, when they come, uh, will they happen at roughly the same time or could there be a divergence between the central banks? Well, I think it's a good question because we've seen the US move fairly rapidly, especially, obviously, in the course of the second half of the year. And we've seen slower pace um, in many ways from you know, the BOE and from the ECB uh, uh, during 22. The risk going forward is actually, is that pace that changes, but it's actually in favour slightly of 
the other central banks. Now, I don't think it's all of a sudden they move to a higher magnitude of um, rate rises. It's just that you see the relative frequency and also the expectation again of where do they um, stop and where do they again have to consider a change in policy tack is going to be different. And that's the part where I think it plays back a bit in terms of um, you know, where the dollar goes from here as well. You know, it's it's one aspect rather than all of the drivers, but it is something that's important if you think that the pace of relative interest rate spread is now going to be against the US. That's going to take away one of the props for the, the dollar. And that really obviously has impacted on to the dollar's um, performance over you know, recent weeks as that uh, you know, hope of um, interest rate uh, policy changing in the latter part of 23 came into pricing in the market. You know, now we're going to have a little bit, I think, of volatility and the market's trying to work out actually what does this mean. I think, again, though, they're going to be seeking out, is there still a route because of the data itself looking to be weaker, that that can help with the inflation numbers coming down, that the policy you know, will not be as aggressive, and that already looks to be the case with the slowing in the sides of interest rates increase. But that, as I said, that pace is going to be much more of a reflection for ECB and, and the BOE to look as if they're narrowing the gap. Um, through time or an expectation that that's happening. And that's, I think, what market's going to feed off as we go into uh, the early part of 23. And talking about the new year, 2023, we've already discussed the pattern between central banks. But what about between central banks and governments? Um, What's the interplay of uh, monetary policy as they try to tighten and then the reaction of governments as they um, have stepped in with various aspects of fiscal policy um, to try and support economies that have been struggling under the recessions or, or looming recessions? Well, I think, again, it's, it's not going to be a consistent profile across um, all the countries. It's going to be still down to relative uniqueness of um, position. What I mean by that is that if you look to Europe, it's been uh, obviously a great deal of fiscal support was put in place with the cost of living crisis and the energy crisis um, that we were seeing. That hasn't played through in the way that they had forecast, obviously, due to the, the milder weather for a period, what that did to um, to prices. Also, the, the confidence that they had from having built up the storage in advance um, of the winter. And so, in some ways, that fiscal policy has not been pressured as much as um, you know feared it could be. But I think that that scope to use fiscal policy is going to stay you know, very much at the forefront. So in some ways, we have this interesting diet. We've got, you know, tightening of monetary policy after many, many years, you know, inflation pressures that have come through. Um, but at the same time, the fiscal policy most probably is a bit more lax. It can, debt can build up a bit more in places like uh, Europe, and especially when you look to, to Germany. And so that will provide a bit more um, support and maybe, you know, change the dynamics slightly from the worst case scenarios that we had for, for Europe. But it certainly doesn't mean that it stops the overriding sort of momentum towards some of the recessionary pressures that have already built up. Whereas you look to the US, fiscal policy is going to be slightly more challenging looking ahead without elements of crisis because you've now got the uh, the Congress has moved to um, uh, GOP control. The Republicans definitely are not going to do anything that allow the Democrats to, um, to be pumping um, money into the economy too aggressively uh, you know, at this stage. And especially still, um, obviously, the Democrats talking uh, you know, very much about ensuring that inflation is brought under control. Um, so you have an interesting dynamic there where you've had that enormous fiscal support 
that's flowed through into consumers and arguably to uh, to corporates, um, obviously in 2020 and has flowed through into 21, even into 22 to give them a healthier position. But the balance sheet of the government in many ways um, you know, is at risk from the fact that we have seen real yields go up, that they've obviously their financing needs have continued to uh, to grow. Um, but the impact of that has been you know, more limited as we've seen the, uh, the tightening of policy coming through the economy. And again, you know, as we go forward, the challenge is that fiscal policy on balance is going to stay relatively uh, loose, but it can't go too far because you've got this dynamic of inflation in the economy and also um, the competing forces, you know, in someone like the US about how that policy will be allowed to be too supportive, too fiscally uh, stimulating, which is slightly different when we look across to somewhere like Europe where there's more support for it, there's more scope to be able to do it. And therefore, I think there's going to be more willingness to allow some of that increase in um, you know, debt and fiscal um, uh, budgets at this stage. We'll have to see how that plays out. But for the final time for this year, Andrew, um, that that backdrop that you've um, you've painted for us um, across uh, well, we've concentrated on uh, Western economies this time. But um, thinking globally again, your global CIO hat on. How are the asset allocations, the core asset allocations, adapting to this scenario? Well, I think you know, the main part is still that obviously it does have a lot of uncertainty and certainly the concern around um, you know, policy staying relatively tight, economies looking at um, recessionary forces, we still stay cautious on risk assets. There is certainly a degree of nuance within there that um, we feel you know, two things. One, that uh, the dollar uh, not being such a strong headwind, um, combined with China clearly starting to see growth just improving, maybe not in a um, concerted and strong fashion yet, but certainly a more positive profile going into 23, that those are forces that mean that we think that uh, both looking across to China equities, um, also to some of the credit markets in Asia, look relatively uh, attractive at this stage versus where we're more cautious onto developed uh, equity markets. But again, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, that credit markets have moved to discount really quite a uh, strong recessionary uh, risk. And therefore, we think that parts of the investment grade market, especially looking to the US, that uh, to place like European loans, um, that they've got uh, very significant spreads and floating rates in nature. So that's um, uh, extra level of um, relative protection in the environment we're in, that those are a good way to be able to take on slightly better price risk. So we're slightly more constructive towards those areas, um, uh, but still keeping slightly higher cash levels, keeping lower overall um, uh, risk profiles, but increasing uh, the degree to which we have some of that credit exposure and also a little bit of um, uh, you know, duration. So i.e. when we see bond markets, yields just gravitate up a little bit as they listen to the news. We still think that the markets are going to seek out that there's going to be more recessionary influences in 23. And it's an opportunity to buy a duration on any setback. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Andrew. And of course, to you listening to this, you can read more analysis from Fidelity's macro team on the latest moves from the Fed over on your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. The producer today is Holly Eastman with technical support from Canon Blitz. For now, from all of us at Fidelity, goodbye.
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.